Vincent. I don't know. This meeting is oh, being... there it is. There, so, there's the woman. My God, right. I'm going to try this. I'm going to be so... You're, I'm going to, our listeners are going to enjoy my presenting so much that they're going to be annoyed at you and be like, why hasn't he been doing this the whole time? Hello and welcome to Better Luck. <laughs> Stop talking over me. Hello and welcome to Better Luck next week. We've had a bit of a hiatus for the past few weeks because, well, Jared's actually been doing his job and I've been travelling around the country for mine, so we haven't really been able to do it much. Um, so coming up on this week's episode of the podcast, we're going to give an overview of what's been happening in the Formula One and kind of catch up on everything we've kind of missed. So this is going to be a broader subject um, and then we'll get back into weekly podcasts when we, uh, when we go back in after the F1 summer break. We will also talk about the Olympics, which Jared has been helping out with and doing some of the play-by-play or commentating on um and then a few other uh, things. I, I, I wish i wish i was you wish you easy was uh, and then yes some, i wish i was doing the commentary but i haven't been okay um and then we will also discuss some of the other things that jared messaged me about last night that i forgot to write down <laughs> good good solid start and then uh a very deep dive off the Wait, well, sorry, I've just got to wait until Belle stops stabbing our tea before she puts it in the oven, which she somehow does with the noise of a F-16 fighter going over my head. Also, for anyone that cared about the audio on this podcast, yeah, for anyone that cared about the audio on this podcast, um, the only time that Jared could do this this week was while he was driving back from Kingston. So what you're going to get from him is a lot of road noise and maybe what's just happened, which is he's just going to cut out entirely and I'll be left to do the podcast on my own. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen. But every now and again, he goes quiet and I crap myself. Um, so let's talk about the Formula One, shall we? We've had a great couple of races, I feel. I've watched all of them from the start to the beginning. These have been the most exciting Formula One races I've seen in a long while. The thing I will say that I, I did post about publicly is Formula One sprint race format works. It just works. That race weekend at Silverstone was a thousand times more interesting than most other race weekends we've had mostly due to the point that the sprint race made it so much more interesting. What do you think, Jared? Well, well uh, it's interesting because half the time these races are so interesting is because, I mean, the other half of it, I totally agree with you, but then the other half is the whole part that they, I mean, everybody's been crashing into everyone. Yeah. yeah. Like we had, well, we had what, a six, we had a six-car pileup this past weekend. Yeah. I mean, well, well, because well, well, Bottas, Bottas went into the back of, what, was it Norris or Ricardo? Bottas went, that in, went into the side of Verstappen, and then Vettel yeah. hit someone, and like, yeah, it, like, yeah. So, I mean, if it, I'm kind of working through it in chronological order, so we had the CF1 sprint race, which was the first of its kind, which. Mm-hmm. 
not really anyone really crashed into each other apart from for some unknown reason on the cool down lap Vettel got crashed into by Danny uh, by Kimi Raikkonen it was just both of them stopped paying attention and Kimi just crashed into the side of him um, yeah um, so the thing for me that I enjoyed most about the sprint race was it completely changed the dynamic of the weekend so they I think they need to change the format a bit if I'm honest because they gave them free practice one which was okay that was one practice session to get ready for qualifying a qualifying session um, and then another practice session then the sprint race but they couldn't really change the cars anyway so it didn't really make much sense to have it in that order but the sprint race was very good because it was basically a everyone go for it as far as you can don't hold back which is what we've all wanted from Formula 1 I love the races that are 70-80 laps long but the problem is, is that they become so much about conserving so much about conserving tyres conserving fuel that we've very rarely seen these cars on outright pace on just go for it because sometimes you know we go oh well that, can Daniel Ricciardo catch yeah, like, you know, you go, yeah right like you don't can, start to finish yeah can can this guy can this guy catch this other driver well he, he could but the team are trying to preserve the tires and to preserve the fuel so they've actually told him to back off um so he's not going to catch him he's got right. two chances at it and the team go no in this because they got brand new tires and because they were allowed to put in as much fuel as they wanted all the teams went bollocks to it let's go for it let's let's really go for it and you saw the drivers that were good move up you know it right. didn't matter if you could put a one in a, in a in a good lap in you know a single lap of qualifying you had to be out a bit of the race page which which showed, which was really good. I really like the format. It's, it's a brilliant way of putting it, and it gives us some drama on Saturday. The only thing I wish is that Now TV, who provides the coverage in the UK, would give you a pass that covered the weekend. Because I had to pay for a day pass, which covered the Saturday race, and then a day pass that covered the Sunday race, which was really annoying. It was 20 quid, it was rather annoying. But that's my only problem with the sprint race format. Uh, TSN in Canada just picks up whatever the feed is, and we just get to watch it all. Oh, fair enough. That's quite nice. Yeah, so do you want to... Well, I was just going to say that, like, I think... It's, I mean, I think they should have about three to five different sprint races a year yeah to they're going to do, they're gonna do three this year they're going to do three this year so i think three should be the bare minimum oh yeah but i think you know, i think you can, you can even make it up to five and oh, you can go through like you can have it kind of spread out throughout the season which obviously the three are this season yeah and i don't, I don't know when the next like, one is because, I'm not because you get because like you get to see the like you get to see all of these cars go all out for the yeah. whole race. Yeah. And you know you get to see some drivers really put really lay it down mm. that might not be able to do that otherwise because oh well you 
know, the car is only designed to do this many laps in this kind of yeah. condition and whatever. And, yeah. You know, I mean, we had we had Esteban Ocon win a race. Yeah. That that like, that's awesome. You know. That that is awesome. And I'm really happy for Esteban Ocon because he was having a difficult career up until that point. We, we need to talk about... So I think the whole... At Silverstone, we have the, the Max and Lewis thing. Both of them have now turned around and said it was a racing incident. It really annoyed me when people like uh, Christian Horner turned around and were like, we're going to sue Lewis. Like, no, just give, no, that's not how you respond to that. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, I don't want to talk about that too much because it frustrated me. But if we move on to the most recent phase. What did he say? Huh? What did he say? Uh, they wanted to mount legal action against Lewis Hamilton for the incident at Silverstone. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's tone that down a bit. Like, yeah, yeah, it's. <laughs> I, I can understand where Red Bull are coming from at the moment because in two races, Max Verstappen has been relatively taken out of the race both times by a Mercedes. And it's getting a little bit right. like, come on, guys. You know, I, I, I think Bottas was publicly apologising about what happened because basically he made a very poor start and going into turn one... He was right behind Norris. He said, I didn't realise how much less grip my car would have being that close to another car. He braked the car at the plane and he was literally, as soon as he pressed the brake pedal, he was the passenger. Does that make it okay? Right. Is it a mistake? Yes. Has he now been punished for that mistake? Well, he's been given a five-place grip penalty. So he's kind of buggered for the next race because even if he puts it on pole... He's going to be in fifth. He hasn't been putting it on pole recently, so there's a chance that he's going to be down in. I would say, if he does very well, he'll be in eighth. Yeah, Um, I mean, I don't know. I I I almost wonder if you need to try a different penalty system where, like, the amount of damage caused gauges how severe the penalty is, right? Because, I mean, yeah. there was a million dollars worth of damage done to Verstappen's car yeah. by Lewis, right? Yeah. So maybe you, maybe the, maybe Formula One, especially because money's so tight right now, so, maybe yeah, you look at going to a more severe penalty based on the amount of damage that was caused, and yeah. then, you know, there's, there's, there's less, I don't want to say inclination, because obviously... I don't think anybody wants to purposely cause a million dollars of damage to a car. But you should you should be held a little bit more accountable, I think, than a five place grid penalty. Like yes, it's Lewis Hamilton and yes, I like you said he hasn't been putting it on pole in the last few races quite as Uh, it's Bottas Bottas with the five place grid penalty, Jared. Not uh, not Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, either way, you know, I mean, Hamilton's caused a lot of damage to Sir Sadman's car as well. Yeah, I yeah. Think, like, you know, then, uh, I, uh, and, and I think, like, this can, this can extend to all sports, but I just, like, I don't really understand why 
I can I can completely agree with what you're saying. And in a situation in Formula One now where if like they have to pay for that damage out of their own pocket, which means that it affects the money they have for the course of the season. That is a little bit difficult to me because you know, a team like McLaren, who didn't win particularly from that incident, didn't lose too much, but Lando Norris got taken out and had to retire from the race, and Daniel Ricciardo had quite substantial damage to the point where, to be honest, McLaren had considered fin- like you know pitting him in, but they were basically like, the more laps that Daniel Ricciardo gets in that car, the better, even if it's damaged. So they just treated it as an extended test session. Um, yeah. But they had two cars that were damaged, both of which are now having to go undergo severe repairs, which means that that will end up costing their development budget, which I, I, I don't think is very fair. So either I think that they shouldn't have to, you know, damages shouldn't come underneath the cost cap, or yeah, you 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 figure out another way of doing the the penalties. I don't think Bottas did this on purpose because I don't think anyone sends themselves flying into the first corner and takes out half like a quarter of the grid on purpose. He's messed up. He's definitely messed up. He's messed up. I think he knows he's messed up. The thing for me is that I I don't know what's happened at Mercedes. I I. Over the past, since 2014, they have won every championship since the hybrid era. And they are not a team that are known for making mistakes. You don't win this many world championship titles by making mistakes. And before this, can you remember the last time Mercedes made a mistake? I can't. This year... Year has been loaded with it's you know from I think it you know the thing is it started it, it started with George Russell in Abu Dhabi at the end of the year where Lewis wasn't there and they had George and really in reality George could have won that race quite easily. Um, yeah, he should have really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then okay, he didn't. You know, they put the wrong tyres on, da, da 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 I'm a bit like, well, okay, you're end of the season. You've already won the championship. Maybe you're being a bit more lax with, you know, how much you're drilling stuff and all this kind of stuff. All right, fine. But then stuff like, you know, Bottas's wheel being rounded off. And then... You know, all the that things. Was, that was the big one. That yeah, was the big, big one, one for me, right? Yeah. But like, it's, it's mistakes from it's mistakes from the drivers. It's mistakes from the team. And overall, you know, they could... Well, and, and management, too. And yeah, management, yeah. right? Like, like, race, like race decisions that are just wrong. Yeah. It's, it's, it's when like, Bottas... It's when Bottas is turning around and going, you know, you you made the wrong call. This should have been a two-stopper. Yeah. I think the thing is with Mercedes is that they've got 
every advantage because as much as Perez is doing a very good job for Red Bull, through sometimes things that were no fault of his own, other times from the fact that I honestly think that that top 12 drivers is so close that it's going to be very difficult for Perez to, you know, the top seven was decided by 0.02 of a second, which, you know, you're talking, wow. you're, you're talking about thinking about breaking half a second earlier than you would. You know, it's, it's such tight margins that Perez has not always been, you know, he's not always been right behind Max to help back him up. They've had a few opportunities, but he's not been there. Um, Bottas has always been there for them, which means that, you you have the opportunity to do a split strategy. If you want to go with Lewis and go with a one-stopper, you do the exact opposite with Bottas. You know, yeah. you've got the chances. It, it, it's a very difficult one to kind of go, okay, I see why they've done this. But I don't know. Um, I think that Max and Lewis will battle it out for the season. I think what we saw at Silverstone was the start. I don't think it's the finish. I don't think it's the end. They were at each other. You know, they would have been at each other at Hungary if it wasn't for what happened with Bottas. I, I don't... I think the thing is, is that neither Lewis or Max are ever going to willingly give up. And no, of course not. As, as, as long as it's a possibility that one of the other could ring win a um win a championship neither of them are going to give up they're just not um well you, you know what you know what i think we're going to see i think we're going to see red bull win the constructors yeah yeah i mean based on all the mistakes that mercedes has made like uh, i wonder if they can iron them out and i and I just kind of think that this is the year that Mercedes finally loses the constructors after however, how like after how many years that they've won it. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, there's currently, um, Red Bull are on 291 and Mercedes are on 303. So it's, it's only a, it's, it's a Mercedes bad result, a bad weekend away from slipping away from them. If, Red Bull can yeah. have a weekend where Perez and Max do exactly what they're meant to do and finish one, two, they could quite easily put 50 points on them quite easily. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, you know, we need to, we need to look down these, if we go over these drivers quickly and we'll just discuss. So Lewis Hamilton, obviously at the top of the standings going in. So the summer break is halfway through the season. So I think it's a good time to talk about it. Lewis Hamilton on 195 points. Yeah, he's Lewis yeah. Hampton. He 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 is he's <laughs> above. He's doing very well. You can't really fault him. Max is just behind him on 187 points. Honestly, at the moment, they are being decided by their worst days. You know, Lewis has got four wins. Max has got five. They are being decided on the fact that I think Lewis finished in second last weekend, and Max managed. You know, was down. Who knows where? Lando Norris is currently on 113 points, which he's just doing incredibly well. There's no other way of doing it. Lando Norris is just playing 
on another level. He's just driving on another level. That car works for him. He's almost put it on pole a couple of times. He's just there. Um, there's not really much to say about that. He's not really put a foot wrong. Uh, you know, he was taken out in the Bottas thing, but really, in reality, can you really blame him for that? Because it wasn't really at all his fault. He was just in the yeah, wrong. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, he's really not made any mistakes. Like, he, it's certainly not any glaring ones. And, and, and like you said, if he's, if he's been knocked out of a race, he's been knocked out of the race. He didn't do something to knock himself out, right? No. Like, and the, the team has been very good. Like, McLaren as, as a team has been very good as well. Like, I can't really think of any time where the, the cars really failed on him or, or no. anything, no. any significant technical errors either. No. Um, so behind him, I think he's the first person that we need to talk about, really. Uh, length is Valtteri because Valtteri's right. contract is not yet signed for next year he doesn't have a contract going into next year and he's currently on almost half of the points of his teammate yeah I mean I, th- I, th- I think we both know that he's done yeah I I, uh, I, 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 just, I just think that I think that um, I think Mercedes is going to use this opportunity to bring Russell in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're Mercedes sitting the other side of the table right now, trying to have this conversation with George Russell, this uh, the, he he hasn't been. This is the first race, the last race weekend, is the first race where a teammate has beaten him in a race in his entire time in Formula One. He's been in Formula One three years. He's never been out qualified by a teammate. And he's never been beaten in a race by a teammate. This is the first time. And you can be honest, if you're throwing this race back at him, you can say with the best will in the world, these weren't exactly the best of circumstance. Well, and George Russell got uh, got up in the points again. Yeah, and they got they got the first points for they got the first points for Williams in a long time. My favourite radio message of that was George obviously seeing the race boards, seeing that his teammate was in second and just going, do whatever you need to do to help Nicholas. Don't worry about me. Yeah. Don't, you know, don't worry about me or anything like that. Prioritise him, which I think shows how much of a team player he is. I think George Russell will be, will be in a Mercedes next year. I, I, I'm waiting for it to be confirmed. It's a difficult thing for... Mercedes to do. I think that actually, to be honest, Williams would benefit more from having Bottas than they would from George, because as much as Bottas, I would say, I don't know how they compare on driving and all that kind of stuff, but Bottas has been around a lot longer and can probably help Williams improve their car quicker than George would, because George is, you know, that's my personal opinion. Um, some of his results, I've got to be honest, I, you can't really lay at his door. If he comes into the pits and they round a wheel nut off and that's his race done, can we really lay that at Bottas's door? Can we, re- you know... No, I don't think so. No, so, okay, I, I, I'd like to see how he does for the rest of the season. Sergio Perez, again, I, I just think Sergio is doing very well getting on top of a Red Bull car that they have now admitted was very difficult to drive. 
they've gone, yeah, it was difficult to drive. He had to have a lot of help from Alex Albon to get on top of that car. And I do like the fact that Red Bull are now admitting they're going, yeah, George, ha- like, you know, Albon had to help Perez to get on top of this car's foibles. Um, he's doing very well. Right, which, then, which then exonerates, um, which then exonerates Pierre Gasly as well. Yes, yes, definitely so. Um, the next two are our two Ferrari drivers, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. I mean, there's three points between them. Carlos Sainz is just proving that actually he's a very good racing driver. There was a period of time where people were like, well, Carlos Sainz isn't that good. Um, Carlos Sainz is a very good racing driver. He's very hungry. And Charles Leclerc isn't having the best season. I'd be interested to see what happens at the end of the year because Charles Leclerc has a contract, but Carlos Sainz does not. So if Carlos Sainz... Oh, I figured Sainz will be back. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I figure he'll be back. And, like, I mean... Even even though Leclerc is having a bad year, it's still like this is still better for Ferrari than last season. Yeah. Oh, it's a massive improvement. They they have been yeah. at certain at certain rounds they have been hassling the likes of McLaren, Mercedes, and Red Bull. I think give a good lap in they can they can really do it. Um, Pierre Gasly is just making an absolute point that he needs to be in a better car. Yeah, I mean, what a performance he's put on this whole season and even towards the end of last season. I mean, it's just like, it, 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 it's, it's nothing short of a feel-good story. Yeah, that, like, definitely. I, I can, if there's somebody who's not cheering for Pierre Gasly, I want to check their sanity. Yeah, yeah, I, I can agree with that. I think... <laughs> I think next year it would be... Uh, there's a lot of people turning around and going, he might take Daniel Ricciardo's seat at McLaren. Daniel Rod- Daniel has a multiple-year contract at McLaren, and I think McLaren are more than... I, I don't think that the fact that Daniel's not doing massively... I mean, you say he's not doing massively well. He's had quite a few fifths and all that kind of stuff, and he is getting used to a car, and, you know, on average, he's only 0.2, 0.3 off of his teammate... Well, the problem is, is that when your teammates putting it on pole, if you're 0.3 off this year, you're out of the top ten because that's how close it is. So right, and I think McLaren, I think McLaren is very happy to just kind of make sure that Ricardo has an okay enough season for him to feel good about himself. Yeah, and then they'll really work at improving him to go forward. Yeah, definitely. Gavin, I'm just gonna put I'm just gonna put you on hold for a second. I have a call. How do you have a call? We're doing the podcast. Yes, I'll just be a minute. Jesus Christ. This is what I have to deal with, ladies and gentlemen. This is this is the issue I have to deal with. He's put us on hold. I don't even know what to do with that. I, I want you to know that I've been available for the podcast every week. I want you to know that Jared has been the problem. He's been the issue. It's not been me. It's been him. He doesn't love you as much as I love you. He 
doesn't care for you as much as I do. And he's now taking a phone call instead of um, instead of doing the podcast is is what's honestly happening. So I'm left on my own. Oh, is he back? I'm back. Hey. Um, I've got I, I'm because I'm driving. My team wants to have lunch together on the drive down to Kingston, and they they wanted to they wanted to stop at the first like service station. Yeah. Which is in like less than which is like half an hour away or less. And okay. I'm kind of like I mean we have we 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 barely left Toronto. Like let's let's get out of the GTA, and then yeah. we'll get lunch. Put some good distance. Are you convoying it? Sort of. I mean, they're they're behind me because they've got boats on their roof racks and I don't. Uh, okay. Okay. But uh, I'm also I'm also not sending it down the highway either. <laughs> Fair enough. Um. So, the next person after Daniel Ricardo is uh, Esteban Ocon who won a race. He, he wasn't at the points in the standing he was until he won a race. He got a 25-point jump. It's done very well for him. He was... I. It's, it's a difficult one. Esteban Ocon has had a mixed season against um, Fernando Alonso. I mean, he's a bit of a... He's a bit of a mixed bag driver, really. Ocon, yeah, like, like... Sometimes he's sometimes brilliant. He's, sometimes like, you, brilliant. Watch, you watch him... Yeah, you watch him sometimes and you're like, oh, this is great. And then you watch him other times and you're like, oh, it's, it's, yeah. uh, that's not it. That's not it. Um, but Fernando Alonso is only one point behind him. So it was quite a gap. Yeah. It was quite a gap. I, I could see Pierre going to Alpine. He's French. It's a French team. Makes sense. Yeah, we've, um, we've been saying that for a little while now. I figure that's, uh, that's pretty possible at this point. I don't um, don't really know what Fernando Alonso's future is going to be in these cars because, uh, I mean, his career has kind of taken a similar trajectory to Vettel's where, you know, like world champion a few times in the prime of his career, and now he's kind of like falling it, off, and it, 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 it's, it's scary not how like just their careers are because they both raced for Ferrari. It didn't go very well, and then right. they decided they didn't want to go anymore. Right, and like uh, I don't know, like do we think, like do we think Alonso is mentoring Alcon? Uh, like. Um, uh. It's a it's you know, a difficult I, it's a difficult one because I don't know if any driver really would be brought on with a role to mentor someone. Um, right. I don't think there's enough money in the world to get anyone to do that. I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I struggle with some of the these older drivers. I, I struggle with Fernando Alonso and Kimi Raikkonen because Fernando Alonso is a different one because Fernando, you go, you know, he he did leave at the height of his career. He's a very talented driver. There's no doubting that. But 
there is a lot of young talent coming through and that young talent is a lot cheaper. I, gar- I, I'm, I I'm pretty sure you could put someone in Kimi Raikkonen's seat that would probably develop you more media coverage, better interviews because Kimi doesn't want to do interviews and it would cost you a darn sight less than whatever Kimi's being paid a year. Well, we both kind of thought that somebody would take Kimmy, like that Kimmy would move on. Yeah. And somebody, and, well, and even like that they would move on from potentially Joe Bonazzi as well. Mm. And that they would bring in two new guys, or at least one. Right? Like, I mean, I know I know. earlier in the in the season I said that I, I, I think Kimmy's hilarious and he should stay. And, like, that's just my gooby gobbler brain being like, ha-ha, funny man makes silly jokes kind of thing, right? Yeah, but it's... But truly, like, it doesn't really make sense to just run the same team back. Yeah. And, and, and I think we both align with that thinking yeah. where, like, like, yes, it's nice to have Giovanazzi back, and I think he's actually been doing a little bit better than he did last year, which is good to see. Mm. But I'm like, what what is Kimmy bring other than the occasional laugh because he hates doing interviews and swears at someone on the race course? <laughs> yeah, but even that, I'm I'm now at a point where I'm like, great. I mean, cool. Yeah. I, I would, I would much rather a kind of driver that really brings a lot more. Um, I'm trying to find the right words. Well, like a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more pizzazz, maybe some character, yeah. and like you don't, you don't even have to be good right away. Like, I mean, that's why we love Yuki Tsunoda so much. Yeah, well, I like mean, he's like Sonoda, Sonoda just sends it and has a great time, right? Yeah, yeah, he just he just enjoys um, it. I'm getting I'm getting another call. Hold on. This is my life. This is my life. This is this is what he's doing to me. I'm trying to run a podcast and he's taking phone calls. Super helpful. Can't even really stop him. He said I was the host and he's just been doing what he wants. So I'm just going to sit here for a little bit and um, I don't know, figure out what the, what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to play some video games. I'm downloading a video game. I don't know what yet. You're back. Yeah. What was this phone call about? Oh, just more who's stopping where. Did you not organize this beforehand? Well, we did, but...
I just normally like go halfway and then I'm like, I've gone halfway. I'm gonna stop. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, that's what I had, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Who, who knows what their plan is. Um, okay. So we kind of both know who, who do you think out of Max and Lewis is going to come out at the end of the season on top? Who, who do you, yeah. I mean, I figure in the end it'll probably be Lewis again, um, just by the fact that they prioritize him so much at Mercedes. Mm. Not that not that Red Bull doesn't prioritize for staff, but of course they do. Yeah. But, I mean, we know that the we know that the Mercedes car is just better, mm-hmm. and we know that Lewis is. I mean, I don't even think it's an argument at this point for Lewis being the greatest Formula One driver of all time. No, I mean, it's it, at this point, it's just a fact. It, yeah. So people can moan, it, but it's just it. it. And so it's difficult to bet against him this season, like, because he's still in his prime. You know, mm-hmm. once, his, once his career starts to wind down, then yeah, you can probably start betting against him once the next prodigy comes up. You know, and, and Max Verstappen is really in his prime because Verstappen's younger, right? Yeah, but then I. So. I I I, I think my 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 thing is is that this is got this is the year where Max has got to do it, in my opinion. Because next year, really, next year, it's a whole bunch of new cars, so. He may not. They may not be as fast because you've you're going to have Mercedes with a new designed car, and you're going to have Lewis and George Russell in the same car. So that's that's two people that are very quick. You're going to have Charles Leclerc, who is fast in a fast car in a Ferrari that's hopefully sorted itself out. You're gonna have Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo in a fast car. Five guys there already, all of which you could challenge him. Uh, you know, you might have Esteban Ocon in a fast William in a fast Renault. So that's six. You know, there's there's so many different. You know, unless Red Bull come out and have instantly got the fastest car on the grid by a decent amount, they could all be quite close. And these cars are going to be easier to follow, so the racing is going to be a lot better. So I don't know if, because of that, the Red Bull is going to be able to disappear the same way the Mercedes has. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. You know, so this year, not being not being rude, but really his 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 main competition, unless something strange happens, is going to be Lewis Hamilton. Well, Bottas is yeah. in He just has to beat Lewis, which is going to be his easiest, you know, his easiest opportunity. Yeah. I do. <laughs> um, the race, the, the the Bottas incident. I think I'd love to have hours and hours of conversation about it, but. Really, he 
he made a mistake. He went in too hot. Yeah, I I don't really know what else I, I can say. He made a mistake. Could he have you know, learned from it? Well, you know, that's... I don't think he'd ever do it again, but, you know, it happened. It, it, it's over with now. He's got a five-race yeah. and that's going to really, really hurt his next race. So, as much as that's we can... a bit unfortunate, here, really. Yeah. As much as we can sit here and go, oh, well, he shouldn't have done that. Well... He did it. It's over and done with now. Um, he's got the punishment. The punishment was quite, you know, he, it's an aggressive punishment. It's five races, five race, you know, five place grip penalty. End of, for lack of a better word. Um, there's not really much that we can, much more that we can say. Yeah, I don't think so. It's, uh, Should we move on to the kind of what it was? It was, it was funny to watch, but oh, yeah, it was hilarious. It was like <laughs> it was like ping pong. He just basically took out Every, everybody, everybody swearing at everyone, and yeah. it was it, it was just hilarious for me because just. I would just watched it. I just watched the onboard and just watched his car go sideways. But he no longer has any control, and he just—it was like how many different cars can I take out? Yeah. Let's get six. Yeah. But ah, uh, Bottas, you—you really didn't need to do that, buddy. <laughs> That was a poor, poor, poor move. Um, yeah, so why don't you tell us what's what's been going on at the Olympics? Well, I mean, I know everything that's been going on with Canada. I honestly haven't really seen a whole lot from Great Britain. I mean, I know, I know they've been winning medals, but not at any of the events that I've worked. And, uh, and a lot of Canadians. Well, I guess they did win a couple medals in the sailing, so they did do well there. The yeah, we, British 470 gentleman won the uh, uh, won the gold in the 470, mm -hmm. and the British uh, or no, it was the it was the Australian that won the pin. But the British the British guy got the uh, the silver or the bronze, I think, in the pin. Yep. That was good. We, well. uh, we, we do well at the sports. Uh, we, we, do well at. We, we do well at cycling. We do well at some gymnastics stuff. Yeah. We, we, we do well at so the, the sailing. Well. So Thanks, in the sailing, we had a Canadian, Sarah, Sarah Douglas, who finished the, the, the highest any woman has ever finished at the Olympics in sailing in Canada or mm. Canada. Um, she finished sixth in the radio. In the radio, unfortunately, her last race was not very good. So she did qualify for the middle race because the top ten votes qualified for mm. the final race, which is what decides the 
medals. Mm-hmm. She was fourth going. She was fourth going into it and had an opportunity to podium, but she had a really bad start, went to the wrong side of the course, and just kind of really didn't have a great race, which was unfortunate because she had been racing well, obviously, to get to that point, and then it just kind of didn't really culminate. Yeah, it just kind of fell apart. Yeah. Um- I know England, the UK have been doing well. We've been doing well. We did well today at the the slow cycling, which I never really understand. Always confuses me a bit, but we did well at it. Um, that's, uh, that's, the long, that's the long track cycling or the, the, the road cycling? Uh, the long track cycling. Basically, it's the one where um, they go slowly. Right, and they go round and round and round for like forever. Well, no, it's like it's like three laps, but they they have to do it slowly. Well, basically, what happens is you, you can't just sprint it. You you have to go slow until everyone else isn't really paying attention, and then then you you sprint. Um, and that's how that works. And I was, it's a little bit confusing to me, but it, uh, it works apparently. Um, so we won in that state. Uh, I don't really know what else we did well in. So this morning, this morning, Canada's won a few other medals. We got the bronze in the men's four by 100 meter relay. And that's solely due to uh, to uh, Andre de Tyson, or de Grasse Tyson. <laughs> that's, that's a different guy. That's Tyson, Neil de Grasse Tyson. Andre de Grasse, yeah. the main runner. So the relay team was in fifth when he received the baton and got oh. Canada up to third in, in 100 meters. That's just brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So he's phenomenal. I got to see that before we took off this morning. And then Canada's women's soccer team won gold. Very well done. Against Sweden in penalty kicks, which I hate. It is the stupidest thing in sports. Soccer penalty feel, kicks. Do you feel my pain now? Oh, I mean... I've felt the pain for years. I've felt it since hockey decided to introduce the shootout because they wanted to get more Europeans interested in hockey. And so soccer has penalty kicks, so let's introduce the shootout into hockey. Which, granted, you've got a way better chance of stopping the hockey shootout as a goaltender than you do soccer penalty kick. Oh, yeah. It's literally just guessing. It's just guessing. And, like, yes, it's amazing. Canada won gold, and they only, they got through the gold by beating the United States in penalty kicks. So they've won the last two games, possibly three games, in, like, in penalty kicks. Fantastic. I love it that they're in there. But why are we deciding championship games on who can make the goalie guess wrong more? I like that's not that's not soccer to me. That's not the sport. 
sport. The sport is running around on the field, you know, attacking strategically and doing all the boring stuff that, like, makes me fall asleep when I watch soccer games. But, like, yeah, that's I'm, the game. So right? The thing, the thing is, is just the game. No. The thing for me is, and this is something that the people in the UK have been saying a lot, is that we obviously, we lost the the final of the um, European World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. The um, no one in the UK is like, we we lost, you know, we we didn't we didn't lose to them in a football match. We didn't lose to them in a football match. That's that's how we feel because we didn't lose to them actually in a football match. We lost to them in a penalty shootout, which has nothing to do with the rest of the game. You know, we didn't, yeah. we didn't get beaten in a you know. We didn't get our ass handed to us, you know, in the game and stuff like that. During the game, we actually played very well. But, you know, we, for lack of a better word, we lost the 50 50 shootout. And a lot of people were really hard on the guys. But, you know, what what else could they have done? You know, there was no. That whole tournament and stuff like that came down to one kick and. That is an assessment to how hard those guys have worked, uh, you know, how long they have worked. It, it annoyed me, to be honest. No, and it's, and, you know, I, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to take credit away from Canada because yeah. it, it is a phenomenal story. Christine St. Clair, who's been working her whole life, she's been the captain of the Canadian soccer team for the last decade, just about. Yeah. And she's finally got an Olympic gold medal around her neck. I mean, it's a phenomenal story. And Christine Sinclair deserves all the credit. And the Canadian Soccer Federation as well uh, has done a phenomenal job. There's still lots more work to be done with soccer in Canada. But this is a fantastic step forward with Canada winning the gold medal. However, Sweden drastically outplayed Canada throughout this entire game. Really? Like, yeah, they just did. Like, Canada had a hard time getting out of their own end. So, because Sweden is a better Mm. soccer nation than Canada. So it makes sense. Like, if you were to tell me, oh yeah, Sweden, if you were to tell me Sweden totally dominated that game, I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's, that's not right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't question that. Like, yes, the Canadian Olympic women, the Canadian women's soccer team is much better than the Canadian men's soccer team. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sweden outplayed Canada, which they did. But then Canada ended up winning a penalty kick, right? So, yeah. for me, like, I, I, I think soccer as a sport, and again, where I'm getting away from, the, we're getting away from the Olympic discussion about it. Soccer mm. as a Sport though, or football, needs to reevaluate how they decide things. I think you should just go to some death overtime and just play until somebody scores. But I mean, then you've got the whole, then you've got the whole issue of TV sponsorships and games running for like six hours because it takes 
the century to score a goal in soccer half the time. Well, I mean, that's so. To be honest, then the way that I would prefer it is that if that's the case, then you go to something like um, what you have in hockey, which is where you you know for a final or something like that, you play multiple games because then it right. comes. You know, not that 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 is decided by the game. You know. If, if England had played three games against Italy and we'd lost three of them, I wouldn't be able to sit here and say, you know, no, they, you know, no. Or if we'd won one and lost two, or, you know, it, it, it actually then becomes about the game. It doesn't become about... Well, and there's the whole, there's the whole aggregate score thing too, right? Like, you can, yeah. you can do it where you play, because like, I've seen things decided in, you know, two games since. But then, you know, the winner is decided on, you know, I mean, obviously if the one team wins both games, then they win. But yeah. if there's a discrepancy, it's like, oh, you know, they win on aggregate, where, you know, they scored more goals than the other team, even though, like, one game ended in a tie or whatever, right? Yeah, which I don't... I don't really agree with that because it depends on the, the other team's yeah. schedule and all these kind of complicated things. Whereas if if one team literally play, you know, if they play each other multiple times and another team still, you know, they, as I say, if England have play, had played Italy three times and we lost to them all three times, we would have gone, okay, we lost to Italy. But if, you know, because we lost on penalties... It doesn't really, it doesn't feel the same, you know. No, I know, and I'm sure Sweden feels the same way. And the United States, I saw even <laughs> the United States put out a statement about losing to Canada for oh, some reason. I'm sure that went. Which, yeah, like I get, like okay, fine, you're upset that you lost to Canada, but relax. Yeah, like don't the, 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 I'm sure, like the play, the players still carried their heads high. Like yeah. they know they played a good game, and they know Canada played a good game as well. So I don't know what the United States Soccer Federation is doing, making a statement about it for. Uh, and anyway, that, that's anyway. We're, we've got to, I've, I've got to wait for the Olympics again. Yeah. So that, that's our rant about soccer. Yeah, Canada um, wins gold. In soccer, it's phenomenal. Canada's been doing well, I'd say. Um, we've got we're up to twenty medals now, which is as of as of today, which is awesome. Mm. Adding the grass, well, adding the bronze to the four by one hundred and the gold of the soccer team. And when, when a team, uh, when a team we, wins, we, does it count as a? Does, does every does every team member's medal count as a medal no. in the count, or is that only one? It only counts as one, doesn't it? Yeah, it's one because the team the team won the medal, right? Yeah. Okay. I know what you mean. Yeah. I, 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 my stupid brain has figured it out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I was going to talk about Damian Warner. Go ahead. Who is who is undisputably the greatest athlete of all time. And, and what I was 
page ad. I mean, when you went with the Catalan at the Olympics, and not only not only do you not only does this man win the Catalan, this hmm. man smashes the Olympic and world record that he previously set in earlier Olympics. Okay. And gets over nine thousand points, which is something that no one has. That only I think it's only three other people have ever done in the history of the decathlon broke nine thousand points. So he's so a- I mean he is he's undisputably the greatest athlete of all time until somebody until somebody yeah, surpasses okay. him in the decathlon. I can't because argue to be, good enough, enough. To, be, to be good enough at one sport to get the Olympics or get a professional contract, fine by me. To be good enough at 10 different events. Yeah, to, to a high standard. It's just a free, it's ridiculous. It's like this, this man is an absolute freak of nature and deserves nothing but respect. He's, there's no question he's going to win the Athlete of the Year award in Canada, which is called the Lou, the Lou Marsh Award. If he which, doesn't, which he should, you know, for lack of a better word. Yeah. If he doesn't, I... You'll be very annoyed. People in Canada need to give... Yes, people in Canada will need to give their heads a shake. <laughs> uh, this, this, uh, this man's phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, it's just <laughs> mind-blowing, amazing. Right. Well, I think what the best thing would do to do will be is we both know we will both be available next week at the same time. Yes. Uh, potentially. So I'll be coming back from Kingston because the Barracudas are going to be celebrating the year. Mm-hmm. So I'll be coming back from Kingston again next Friday. Okay. A lot of driving for me, so I could potentially do another driving on. Yes. So I'll okay. be leaving in the I'll be leaving in the morning. Mm. Okay. So well, it may then it, it may, or may not line up. No. Maybe we'll we'll see. We can do another one. We will figure it out, and we will have better luck next week with another pod. We're getting them back in. This is going to be a shorter one than normal, but we're we're, we're kind of easing them back in. Um, and to be honest, this we could, if we wanted to, we could sit here and discuss everything for about four hours. But I think yeah. we just need to get up. We need well, to get it, in the books. It is the, it is the off season. Yeah, we need to get we need to get one in the books, um, which this one is, and then we'll go from there. And get another win next week. Well, Hopefully, Sean will actually just wake before up. Before we go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, Sean will participate again. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll stop. We'll stop inviting him. I still don't see a message from him. No. No, he hasn't. Uh, he hasn't got. He hasn't got back to us. Um, before Before we go, I do want to re-highlight the Chicago Blackhawks situation again because I do feel it's important that we keep talking about it, as have everyone else on all of their respective podcasts. Mm-hmm. Elliot Treatment and Thirty One Thoughts, Steve 
still very much an issue. The Chicago Blackhawks, at the beginning of this week, announced that they will make the report public, mm-hmm. which I think is so very important. Um, now, I know what, what I had been hearing was that obviously there's, you know, with the decision to make it go public, you can run into people, you know, uh, victims or, or other such people involved in the case being less willing to speak up because they don't want to be part of a public case. Um, so I understand where that point was being made that, oh, well, it might be a difficult thing to make public or maybe they don't want to or whatever. Um, ultimately, I think it's the right thing and important to make the report public. Now, well, the, I am if, if hoping the that... Public, why isn't it public? Does that make sense? You know, why, why isn't right. it public? Right, and I think the, I think the reasons to publish it outweigh those to not. Yeah. By, by a large margin. I agree. So I just I just hope that this gets sorted out. And by the way, um, there was a trade that happened. So the Chicago Blackhawks acquired goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury from the Vegas Golden Knights. And I really disapprove of this whole situation. I'm very unhappy with the Vegas Golden Knights, first of all. Gavin, you don't already like them anyways because they're in Vegas. Well, they're, no, a hockey this, team, they're a hockey team in a country, you know, in, a, in, in the desert, which doesn't... I, I'm not a marketing manager, but I always, you know, <laughs> a hockey team in Toronto makes sense because, you know, there's a lot of people in, in Toronto that play hockey and enjoy hockey. But the hockey team in Vegas, I mean... The most, the most the most ice fucking people in Vegas experience is when it's in a drink. I, I don't think they right. have any, I don't think they have any long term fans. I think the people that go and watch their games are people that are out there on a holiday. Well, I will say that their fans are already getting upset because they didn't do they didn't they're not um, they're starting to not do as well, and it looks like they're um, it looks like they're core is already starting to get dismantled because they've spent a lot of money and this and that and whatever. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to Vegas in the next few years. But, I mean, this trade right here, so they traded Marc-Andre Fleury, who was was the face of the franchise, mm. was uh, conceived four years ago. Fleury was their big draft out of the expansion draft. Um, but I, like there was the inclination that they were going to move on, that they kind of needed to move on from Flurry. I understand. It kind of felt like it was time to move on from Flurry potentially. However, the man just won the Goalie of the Year award, the Vezda Trophy. And they traded him for some ECHL player I've never heard of. Imagine being that other guy who just got traded one for one for the Goaltender of the year. That's that's gonna be a hard. That's a hard meeting. So well, then you say that was a hard meeting. They didn't even 
even have a meeting with Flurry about it. They made the trade, they tweeted about it, and that's how Flurry found out. I mean, that just, that just, uh, that's just rude. So, I, like, and that, that is infuriating in itself. And then on top of that, it's, he's gone to Chicago, the team who is in just utter dismay with this whole scandal that they're working out at the moment. And to me, it's kind of felt like, and this is just my opinion and, you know, uh, speculation. Yeah. But to me, it has felt like this has been one of a few things that Chicago has tried to do to distract the general public from their big scandal that's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, all, you know, we're, we're, we're in the bad books right now of, the, of, of fans and the league. So what should we do? Well, let's go acquire one of the good guys of the, of the league. One of the best good guys out there, Marc-Andre Fleury, who is beloved by basically everyone he plays with, everyone who, every team fans we've played for and around the league. And, you know, the Mesna Trophy that he won was almost a, well, everyone loves Fleury. Yeah, maybe he wasn't officially the best goalie based on stats, mm. but his career is almost over. He's probably not going to put up a season quite like this ever again. Let's mm-hmm. give it to him because he's never won one before and he deserves it. So Chicago goes out and gets him for basically nothing. I don't think we're ever going to see the guy that went back to Vegas play in the NHL. I've got no idea who he is. I can't even remember his name. And that's the other problem. Like, you, you traded him for nobody. And now, so you, and then on the other side, Chicago's just kind of distracting everybody from their big sexual assault scandal by getting one of the good guys in the league. And then on top of that, at the draft, which we had last week, um, which I think went pretty well for some of the top teams, Chicago has to come out there, Stan Bowman walks out there on the stage with a bunch of women in his, from his front office for him to go, oh, look at how great we are with all of these women in our front office. And he's like parading them around like trophies on the stage going, oh, look at how great Chicago is and how good my front office is. Like, it's just disgusting what Chicago is trying to do. First of all, with the assault case to begin with, how they've been trying to get it thrown out of court because there's not enough merit to back it up, which clearly there is. And then all the little, like, shenanigans for them to try and distract the public from the case itself. I, I just, I do not understand how Stan Bowman still has a job. He was there when this scandal happened. And so I like, he was the general manager at the time. I don't know how the general manager doesn't know about something like this going on, especially when everything is being reported. Even if he did, even if he didn't know, it's his job to know. Yeah, it happened under your watch. Yeah, you know, it's 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 your job to know. Right? I yeah. 
I, I completely agree with you on that, and I don't think much more needs to be said. We will continue to bring it up, and it will continue to be something we discuss on this podcast. Uh, I'm not going to comment on it much because, apart from talking to Jared, I'm not much read up on it. That's my fault. I need to be. Um, anything final, Jared? Yeah, let's let's wrap it up on a positive note for hockey. Uh, obviously, we mentioned last week the first openly gay player under contract. Uh, you know, we're very happy about uh, who's been drafted. Um, you know, everything like. <laughs> you see, I wanna, I, <laughs> I wanna end it on a positive note for hockey, but then I just remembered about this whole situation with Logan Mayu, who's this kid who took un, uh, who took photos. Um, an intimate moment with a girl in Sweden when he was playing in the Swedish league. Took, in, took intimate photos without consent. Shared them with his friends. They got leaked on. Um, they got leaked everywhere. So yeah. now this woman has had to deal with that. So and it came up with him being el- draft eligible this year. So he made a statement that you know I've done some bad things. I would appreciate it if nobody drafted me because in the NHL, for whatever reason, players aren't allowed to recuse themselves from the draft. Um, if they're eligible, they're eligible, and they can be drafted no matter what they say. Um, so, how is that legally okay? You can't I turn around know, and someone and be like, like you, you. Like you have to, surely you have to declare yourself for the draft. Yep, you have to declare yourself for the NFL. The NHL, they don't care. They'll just draft you. It doesn't matter. No, wait, wait, wait. What, yeah, what, uh, what, 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 what do you have to do to be NHL draftable? Um, be really good. No, no, no. But, like, do you have to be over a certain age or anything like that? Uh, 18. Yeah, okay. 18. So, in theory, right now, the NHL could turn around to anyone and be like, you have to play hockey now. Like, I guess, if they're not good enough, then they won't make it. But, yeah, effectively, they'll, like, if you're good enough to play in the NHL and you turn 18, you can get drafted. Okay. On so, that note. Anyways, on... so the, the, the statement was he didn't want to be drafted because he felt he didn't he felt that because of his actions with this whole thing, mm. that he didn't deserve the honor and privilege of being uh, being drafted to the NHL. Makes sense. Um, you know, maybe that's the first step of him taking responsibility for his actions. Yeah. You know, acknowledging that he did something wrong hasn't really made a proper apology to this woman. Um, so we're still waiting for that. Yeah. Um, but this is a step, in my opinion, of for him to recuse to say that he would like to not be drafted. Nobody draft him. Give him a year to sort himself out and repair the damage he's done, so that yeah. he can start to proceed into becoming a better person. Guess what the Montreal Canadiens do? 
drafted. Art Bergevin, who was, by the way, part of the management team of the Chicago Blackhawks in 2010 when this sexual assault scandal was happened. Dinner manager of the Montreal Canadiens, Art Bergevin, steps up to the microphone and says, yep, this kid's French, let's draft him. Right. And why did they draft him? Oh, well, because if they didn't draft him, another team was going to later on. Well, you know what, Montreal, I'm sorry, Mark Bergevin, you didn't have to be that team. <laughs> you could have let another team be the bad guy. Because yeah. now, and I, the I guarantee, I guarantee. All goodwill. Yeah, I guarantee every single marketing manager from every single hockey team, as much as they're probably not involved in these draft decisions, walked in and went, don't draft that kid. Just just anyone else. Please, anyone else. Yeah, please he's don't. Just, he's for just for my own kid. sanity, like, imagine being the social media manager of the Montreal Canadiens after they drafted him. I, I'd just not have posted like, anything. You, I just have gone. You're I don't know getting, what to Yeah, you're just getting bombarded, yeah. right? And then they had a statement about drafting him, like ready to go, that they published, like soon after they drafted. So they knew that this was a problem, but they did it anyway. Right. Like it's, it's just yeah. Like this. This honestly, <laughs> I I struggle to find something good to talk about the NHL right now. Okay. We're going to have to wrap it up here because I think my tea's about to burn. We will discuss this more at length next week. We wish everyone a better luck next week. We wish Jared a safe drive. Uh, We will have a quiz next week, which hopefully Sean will get out of bed to participate in. Um, And I wish you all a lovely night. I did see a stream of messages, so Sean may have decided to wake up finally as we finish. Well, 